0: real talk what's up film fans this is your host mitch schneider with another episode of real talk i'm here with my fabulous co-host as always mo colton mo what's going on
1: just being fabulous you know the usual how you doing mitch
0: I mean, I'm doing pretty fabulous as well. I feel like it's just a fabulous day for us all. Of course. Um, so, welcome to Real Talk. This is our third episode. We're going to be looking at The Help today. It's a wonderful film from 2011. Woo! Um Starring some really wonderful actors and some really wonderful performances. If you haven't listened to Real Talk before, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but, um... Real quick, it's just, you know, me and my best friend Mo, we've known each other for about six years now, and for the first time in those six years, we no longer live within 20 minutes of each other. Um, he, uh, Mo has decided to chase his dreams and move to Los Angeles and leave us all in the grimy weather that is New York consistently. And uh, we're all very happy about that. But, you know, we just wanted to keep in touch. We wanted to find a way to keep working together and keep talking about movies and keep watching movies. So we started this podcast together. Is that you, anything you want to add to the the birth of this, Mo?
1: No, that's it. Just trying to keep watching movies at least, one, you know, if we do this every week, which we did not do last week, our bad. Uh, we have to watch at least one movie per week. And I want to, you know, we've been watching movies together for so long. I want to keep our, our dialogue going. I feel like it just makes us both better film fans and hopefully you guys. Also, quick sidebar, I will say that I think that was your best beatbox to start the podcast, Mitch. Like I don't know if listeners know you do that live. Like that's every week he's beatboxing that. That was that was pretty a pretty dope one.
0: Oh, well, that's very sweet. You're making me blush. Well, uh, we could either jerk each other off like this for, like, another 50 minutes, or we could maybe, you know, just do a quick catch-up and then get into the movie. What do you think?
1: Let's do that, bro. So what's been – first thing I want to talk about is what's been going on in your life. So I've been – classic write, writering it just sitting in a in a room working on my projects typing but on the other hand you have actually been out there making shit working with actors working with people so tell tell the people what you've been working on i know i will give the people the title of your project which is called silly rabbit so set that up for the people how's that been going
0: oh silly rabbit's been actually really fun you know it's uh it's, it, was, it was kind of an exciting thing that it just fell into my lap. Uh, an actor friend of mine, Anna Holmes, super talented, uh, reached out to me. She had felt like she really wasn't getting the kind of role she wanted to be playing right now. And so she took it upon herself to write write something she would want to do and i respected that moxie i respected that drive i mean that's what that's that's what we're all about here it's all about the hustle and uh so i you know originally agreed to just help her format the script and then a couple months later she came to me wondering if i'd like to uh to helm the piece and uh it's definitely out of my style. It's a little more uh a little more actiony, a little more noir, a little more just a little little more uh piss and vinegar than than I'd say my films usually have. A little bit and, more understandable,
1: uh, a little bit more of a concrete plot with, you know, wow. goals and wow. concrete obstacles, you know, classic classic <laughs>
0: You know, it's, it's like a normal movie. It's like a normal it's movie. Like it's some, like a movie people might watch.
1: A movie people...
0: Exactly. <laughs> that, yeah, it's it's, it's fun because, it, you know, it is a movie somebody actually might want to see, which is a, a, a change All you've
1: told me about it is it's like some sort of lesbian action movie. Is that accurate? <laughs> is that, it's like some sort of lesbian, like, it's either an assassin or like a hitman or like some well, kind of fighting. So What's going so on? So essentially
0: <laughs> what it is, is it's, it's, it's about an organization of... Um, uh we'll just call them untraditional assassins it's there's there's no real focus on on who is what everyone's a little bit of everything but our our main protagonist does follow um uh, a gay woman named Kirsten and she has a, you know she does have trouble balancing the double life with her relationships and with all that and i think it's you know after that it's a straightforward neo noir and it's really fun you know we're 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 taking we're taking a lot of color we're taking a lot of um we're 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 taking a lot of uh license with the camera movement it's it's a really fun crew and it's a really fun shoot arguably the most level-headed crew that I've ever been able to assemble, which is honestly very fun for me. We managed to to wreck a, a seven-hour shoot. We were out two minutes early, and we got just about everything we needed. So I was happy. Awesome. I'm really happy with what's going on.
1: Very cool, man. And, yeah, uh, just what I, I just want to ask about what else has been going on in your life. I know you went to go see a couple movies recently that we should talk about. So first, I heard you saw The Florida Project, which I really want to go see. How was okay, that? Okay, we
0: need to talk about the Florida project. I'm going to be honest; we probably need to dedicate a full episode of this pod- project, this podcast. So let's to just the move Florida on from project. that right now.
1: Let's just say one day. I mean, I love Sean Baker as a filmmaker. I haven't seen that's his new movie that's coming out. He did Tangerine and Starlit and some other shit. So we'll we'll dedicate a future episode to the Florida project. So we'll, we'll skip over that. But a, a movie that both of us saw and that we disagree on. You saw Battle of the Sexes and you did not like it as much as me. So please tell me why.
0: Yeah, I saw Battle of the Sexes last night, and um, I mean, like, you know, I I liked it because I went and saw it as the first movie with my movie pass. Mm -hmm. Love that. And I liked it because Steve Carell and Emma Stone are great in it. They genuinely are. But at the end of the day, it's like I tried I tried to get up and leave after the film was over, but I couldn't because my hands were so heavy. They just <laughs> weighed me down. I couldn't get out of my seat.
1: It was that heavy handed? I mean look, it was heavy handed and the parts the parts with Andrea Riceborough, who's an actress that I like some of the time, but who played her like lesbian love interest or whatever are are really heavy-handed are very and everything with the the douchey like uh what's his name bill pullman is that his name the douchey sports announcer yeah, bill guy pullman, Bill Bill uh, Pullman. Pullman. he's a good Who's actor. an actor i also love yeah he had nothing to do that was the worst role in the entire movie but, I, but the reason i like this movie and i th- I think it's really a watchable fun flick at, at at a time when there's not that much original shit at the movies Is there a parts movie I loved? I loved Sarah Silverman in this. I loved her character. I just wish there was more for her to do. I loved Steve Carell. You said, you texted me that this is your least favorite Steve Carell performance. I go the other way. This is one of my personal favorite Steve Carell performances. I mean, I love him in The Way Way Back and other stuff. But I thought this was a a moment where we don't, since The Office, Steve Carell has been, I think, loved to go to that note. To that charming, like, charming kind of unselfaware asshole like, and I just think that's where he's the best, of course. I mean, I rewatched The Office on, on the reg, and I th- just think he crushed it. Like, and you're not a tennis guy. You're not a sports guy, Mitch, but you wouldn't know. Like, his his Bobby Riggs is so fucking spot on. It's unbelievable. Like, and I, I, maybe that's why you thought it was bad performance, because it was a little bit of a... It was a little bit of a cliche like I mean Bobby Riggs himself is a little bit of a cliche archetype but I I just thought this movie was compelling I do think it was melodramatic and a very over the top but I I still enjoyed it and I understand why they made it that way just because obviously the political landscape with Trump and Hillary and whatever they were I think they were using that a little bit maybe too much but I still think it was a good movie
0: i'll say this and i'll say this and i feel like we can move off after this yeah. is is i'm going to tell you what my good friend henry told me we saw the film together mm-hmm. and he said wow what a movie that was really counting on hillary to win the election
1: <laughs> all right all right i agree to dis agree to to agree slash disagree but well let's move on <sighs> Uh, there was just a crop
0: of films that, like, really expected that election to go a different way. For any of you who are interested, I strongly recommend looking at uh, Rory Scoville's most recent oh, yeah, Conan performance, yeah. which he does the week before the election. Yeah. And when I
1: tell you it is cocky. My my favorite joke, my favorite joke about that, though, is he's like, remember this? Remember when people were happy? <laughs> that was great. I, yeah, I agree. I watched that with my mom. We, we all we enjoyed that. Uh, It's almost painful how good it is. But just quickly, I just want to talk about some shit that I watched. So, firstly, I saw this, like, crazy Russian movie, Russian Holocaust movie made in the 80s called Come and See. I'm not going to tell you people to go watch this movie, but I just want to mention it because it was one of the most powerful movie-going experiences I've ever seen. And I I told you this, Mitch, it makes Dunkirk look like the Wizard of Oz. Like, it's just... It, may, it just shows you what, like, fucking chaos and war really is like. And if you're interested in that, go go see Come and See at some point in your life. Worth seeing. But on another note, I, I went for the first time to—I just moved to L.A. as we've talked about on the podcast before. And I live pretty close to Tarantino's Theater, the new Beverly. And he has these crazy, like, $8 double features that he does, like, four or five times a week. So I went to go see this old hippie Western double feature— called the two movies were called The Hired Hand and Kid Blue and I just re- The Hired Hand is a little bit of a more famous movie it was a movie Peter Fonda made after Easy Rider it was good it has the most screen time of dissolves I've ever seen. I would say five to ten minutes of the movie are multiple, two to four different frames are being displayed, and that is the most disorienting thing when you're because you expect the dissolve to end pretty quickly. Like, the longest dissolve you're ready for is, like, a maybe a five, ten-second dissolve. The first three full minutes of this movie is all dissolves. Like, it's crazy. It's a crazy way to start a movie, and then he keeps doing it. It's, it's cool. Like, the editing, it, it takes chances. It doesn't always work, but it's worth watching. But the movie I really want to talk about is Kid Blue, which is, like, it has, like, 300 reviews on IMDb. Nobody knows about this movie. Like, I'd never heard of it before last night. This is a great fucking movie that people should go watch. Like, basically, the way the movie starts, like, there's these this band, bandits, like, that classic scene. The train's coming. They're getting ready to rob the train. It's the Old West. Guy, you know, barreling his horse up next to it. Jumps on top of the train. Lands on top of the train. Immediately loses his balance and falls over. And they just miss the train. <laughs> And they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, it, and just, and then he just goes and basically he's like, I don't want to do this. One of the guys is like, I want to retire. It's Dennis Hopper, young Dennis Hopper. And is, he just goes on this crazy journey of just trying to get a regular job. Like, that's his goal. He just wants to be a regular person and just, like, the circumstances won't let him. And it's just this really funny satire on, like, it, it, it feels very present of, like, someone who leaves the prison system or is, like, you know, a criminal trying to go straight in their past just keeps preventing that from happening it almost leads them back to that old path by inevitability like it was one of those movies and i I really dug it
0: damn Uh, that is really interesting i'll have to check that out for sure yeah
1: it's definitely one to put on the list like especially if you like dennis hopper's acting like he was this that good at acting from the get-go like he must be in his 20s or 30s for this role and he's really good
0: well i mean you know that i love easy rider i'm just i know you you love easy rider more than me I do, I do. I'm just gonna quick shout out to all the all the one person listening to this. You should watch Easy Rider. I, Don't I listen will, to mo. You know, one it's day excellent. We will do
1: Easy Rider for this podcast, and I'll rewatch it because I, yeah, I think I would have a better reaction to it nowadays.
0: I'd be interested to see what you what what, what you would feel about that. I think now is probably a good time to maybe segue right into this uh, this little film that we're doing today, which is The Help, written and directed by Tate Taylor. Um... For a really quick, uh, for for those of you who, who don't know much about the film, we're just going to pitch it super quick. It is the adaptation of a novel that focuses on uh, a young white female reporter as she uh, tells the stories of African-American maids living in a small town, Jackson, Mississippi, and um, – and and kind of the stories that they've accrued over years of working for white families and raising white children. Um, I can't really think of anything else to add to the pitch. Really, Mara, have the anything? only thing that
1: I would add to that is really, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie, stop listening now. Spoiler alert, I would pitch it more, it's about someone shitting in, in a pie. That's really... It's just about someone shitting in a pie. That's, that's, a pretty, that's pretty succinct, yeah. I mean, honestly. It's a, it's a movie about someone who shits in a pie and the fallout that comes from that. Like, I'm joking, but I'm also like it's like 50% about that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'd give you that. I'd give you that. That's pretty fair.
0: That's pretty fair. <laughs>
1: the shitting in a pie is the, is the central plot point of the film that they keep going back to, which pl- I love. I love that that's the the central plot well, point in this very serious Just real movie. quick shout
0: out for the listeners, though. The best part is that they, they never refer to it as that. They refer to it as the terrible awful, which I think is such a great plot device. They just keep <laughs> talking about this this, this terrible awful that, that, that Octavia Spencer has done to Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Um... But let's, uh... Well this is this is kind of the first installment of uh, of a film that I have seen before and that Mo has not which I think is very fun. Uh we're going to do a couple of like these where one of us has seen the film the other is not and uh, you know one of us will kind of interview the other yeah. a little bit more about the films. It's uh, I've been trying to get Mo to see this film literally since we met each other. Like this has just been this has just been one of the films in my pocket that I just I know is a good film and yeah. I've just been so confused as to why you never saw. And I'll,
1: it. I'll say that. I'll say this for the because The Help is one of those movies where, like, when it came out, fucking everybody saw it, and it was like everyone was talking about it, and then it just kind of died down. So anytime I mention this movie, I get that reaction, like, "What? You haven't seen The Help? Whatever." And the reason I haven't watched it is you just read the premise and it's just not a movie you want to sit down and go watch. Like, it's not... You don't... Like, there's lots of movies like that who, that I just... You know, Kramer versus Kramer I've never seen. Be, not because I don't think it's going to be a great movie. Like, I'm sure it is. But I just don't want to sit down and watch that shit. Like, it's just not what sounds like a good time to me. But The Help, I, I think I was partially wrong about it because tonally it was a lot lighter and a lot funnier and a lot you know more humanistic than it was melodramatic. But... I will say the end of this movie fucked me up. Like this is a, it's a hard watch. It's hard to look some truths in the face about America and about the South, about, I mean, the racism that we still have about, you know, classism, all these, these horrible things about parenting. I mean, it, this movie, yeah, me I don't hard. think
0: this, I don't think this movie would be nearly as hard to watch if we had evolved past this point. Like yeah. if, if this wasn't the exact same stuff that we're seeing, day in and day out when you turn on the news, you know, if this isn't, like, if we aren't still fighting for this same equality. Even
1: regardless of the news. Like, if I went into Jackson, Mississippi, and I found a big mansion, it is nine nine times more likely that there's a white family living there with black people working there than the other way around. I promise you. It's still that way. You know, you can tell me whatever you want about the world having evolved, but if you go to fucking Jackson, Mississippi, or you go to Alabama and you see a giant mansion, you think black people own that? Probably not. Probably it's a bunch of whiteys. Uh Yeah, no, I, I totally—and and what hit home for me, I mean, not that I didn't have great parents, I did, but the whole idea of surrogate parentage through a maid or a nanny-type figure really struck home for me. I mean, having grown up upper class, like, you see that certain parents, especially parents where both parents work or whatever— like I think what it is with poor with poor kids is basically they just leave the kids on their own like you parent yourself. With rich kids it's like okay, you get this other person to be your parent. Like you get this other this other figure to watch over you and like teach you what it <laughs> means to be a good person and that that oh, that's so fucked up like paying someone to teach your kids values. Like what is that is is education something that, you know, capitalism should be influenced by and obviously it does, but uh oh, this movie just made me feel so much like and it's not well, a here's the thing: movie. the bear's yeah.
0: discussing very quickly. Very yeah. quickly, yeah, this yeah. bear's discussing because you you mentioned that they're being hired to teach their kids values. I disagree with you. I think they're they're hired to you know cook and clean and change the kid and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But what happens is that these people find these children in a completely unsupportive and unloving environment. They take it upon themselves to raise them. Mm-hmm. If you'll notice you know we're already getting into the like the analysis of the film but all of the children they feel far more connected to to the maids than the parents do. The parents view mm-hmm. them because they 're their employers, but it 's the kids you know the uh, emma stone 's character the 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 little fat baby um, that Viola Davis takes care of they 're the mm-hmm. ones who love and trust them, and they consider them to be the people who raised them i don 't think these other parents really ever ever think about that when they sign these checks they 're just You know, they're just they think that they're just
1: there to be, you know, a convenience. They don't
0: view them as part of the family. No, they're a convenience. And that's why you see these weird changes.
1: No, you're so right. I I misspoke. You're very right. That's an important distinction. They don't hire them to give them values. They hire them to fulfill this obligatory parental function, you know, feeding, changing, like there's that really sad line in the movie that's like when we were Viola Davis is like if she wets herself in the middle of the night, she doesn't get changed until I get there 10 hours later. Like mm-hmm. that's how bad the, the the mom, like and and that's not even the bitchy mom. That's like presented as like the kind of nicer like kind of forgiving racist lady. Like Yeah, the one the one who has a uh, postpartum depression. Exactly. The postpartum depression. Even she is a a, a shitty negligent mother and and Viola Davis is hired to raise those, pra- to, to fulfill those practical functions, but those, the values are, are are left somewhere in the middle, and I'm sure Viola Davis isn't supposed to say to her, you is smart, you is whatever, uh, you is kind, you is smart, you is important, whatever the fuck, that amazing line that they repeat a bajillion times. But the, if if the mom isn't going to do that, and Viola Davis is there, of course, she, she's a kind human being, she's going to fill in that you know, compassion and the love that kids just need. And it's just, I, I think you're right. They, they hire these people to fulfill the, these practical functions. And then they don't, white people don't think about, it, or I guess employers don't think about it, the, the impact, the emotional impact nannies and those kinds of figures are going to have on their kids, especially if they're there every day. And the mom isn't really paying that much attention to the kid
0: absolutely absolutely that's kind of like to me that's what really brings the whole thing home with like you know the scene between um between uh Emma Stone and Allison Janney when they're having the confrontation mm-hmm. about their maid the and then what's so interesting to me is how Bryce Dallas Howard treats um treats uh, uh Viola Davis uh, Octavia uh, no Octavia Spencer Knowing oh, that, like yeah, yeah. Octavia Spencer had a large hand in raising her to be the woman that she is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, like she, she taught her how to cook she, and all that stuff.
0: She moves her own mother. Uh, no, 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 not the not the Jessica test. She, oh, she, you, oh, you she, mean the
1: Octavia she, Spencer? The like, of, yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. The, Tower, the bitchy original,
0: lady. yes the the original uh, the original family she mm-hmm. worked for. It, it's implied that Octavia Spencer, Minnie Jackson, has been there since. Um, Bryce Dallas character was a child herself.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: it, you know, it's, it's some people lose sight of that. Some people don't.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the Emma Stone. Emma Stone never lost sight of that, right? Like. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, well, let's take a moment and let's really get into, into the script itself. Let's talk about, um. Let's, let's, let's talk about goals. You and I had spoken a lot about David Mamet this week uh, off the podcast. Yes. Um, me personally, you know, I was talking to you about uh, acting the first six lessons by Richard Boleslavsky, and they all talk about the same thing at the end of the day, is what do people want? Mm-hmm. They, all of all, all of drama, all of this is going to boil down to one person wants something and somebody wants something else. Mm-hmm. So let's... Uh, to you, first time watching it, w- what do you think people want in this film? Yeah.
1: No, I added this note into the script because I was listening to the ad for David Mamet's Masterclass and it really made me want to do David Mamet's Masterclass. And it was... Like, basically, he has the line in there that all drama is somebody wants something. Like, that's it. It's as simple as that. And what's interesting in this movie is the black characters, Viola Davis and uh, Octavia Spencer, they, they want... They want stuff, kinda. Like they want to have life be less shitty. Like that's kind of their goal. Like they want people to be less assholes to them. Like to and but Emma Stone is the one who has the real goal in this movie, which is she's the one who's driving the story to get these women to to get to their goal to make life better by putting themselves at risk by putting their stories out there. And I think it's interesting that. In this movie that's ostensibly about racism, it's the white woman's, you know, this is a book written by a white lady, it's the white woman character's motivation that drives the entire story. And I i i think you could be that asshole and have a problem with it, but I think that's true. I think that in this time, in the 60s, I mean, I know this isn't, like, a true story, but if this were a true story, I do believe it would be the young, liberal, like, college-educated white lady who would be like, fuck this, this is bullshit— you, you know, you got, you need to expose what the truth of this and the black people would probably be like, you know, because of the way society tells them not to have a voice, like, no, we're going to put ourselves at risk. I mean, there's that horrible scene when the younger black uh, maid is caught stealing that ring and do they just arrest her? No, they put her up against the thing and they beat her head in with the, the billy club. So, you know, there's always that, that threat of abuse for the black characters that the white characters don't have.
0: But so the thing is with the, what gets me about the fact that Emma Stone drives the story. Well, I I do understand that it you know it it is right for the time. It's the only outlet that these other women would have. There's no other way for them to have gotten their stories out there without somebody else you know pushing that along. But yeah. what what I guess I what I guess gets me. More than anything with this particular film, and uh, is, and I guess the ideas of exploitation as a whole is that her, uh, Emma Stone's life is really the only one that improves.
1: Yeah, so um, true. That's you know, a good uh, point.
0: <laughs> Min- Minnie Jackson. Luckily for her, like, she lands on her feet with Jessica Chastain's family, which, you know, I love, and it's amazing, and, like, you know, they both make each other better. It's one of the best B stories I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. It just genuinely is, and it also leads for the two best performances in the entire film. Uh, But... Like what gets to me is that Viola Davis loses her job. That other, like, um, uh, uh, the you know, the child that Viola Davis takes care for, she now doesn't have a mother figure. She's going to get some twelve or fourteen year old girl who doesn't know how to take care of anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I, I, and now the, the worst part is is that all of these maids who have talked, they have a target on their back. Yes, you can make the argument that nobody knows it's Jackson. But Bryce Dallas Howard does. Hilly Holbrook does. And her mother does. Yeah, they everyone knows. Know, for a fact, they have that phone call because they know the story about the terrible awful, <laughs> which could only be one town and one person. Yeah.
1: No, you're right. And at
0: the end of the movie, it, she, Hilly Holbrook has proven that she has a vendetta against these maids. She is going to figure it out. She just needs to, one by one, check these stories off, figure out who it is, and exact revenge. And Emma Stone leaves. I mean— She moves to New York. Like, that's—she literally—yes, she gives everyone money, and that's nice, but she abandons everyone.
1: To be fair, she does she does voice this exact thing that you're saying, and the Viola Davis character says, Bitch, you gotta go. Like, this is your life. And this is like what we chose to do this. And we knew the consequences. And this is like, you're right, there's there's some truth that what she does is what a lot of white people do, which is we go in, we try to like tell a story about it, and then we leave. And then we hope shit gets better. Like, this is a, an allegory for what America itself does in other foreign countries. Like, th- it, it's not it's not a great look. It's not a great look. But that being said, is she supposed to put her whole life on hold and stay there forever and protect these women? Like there there is a balance in the middle there.
0: I completely understand. I understand that that is the only way for Emma Stone's arc to like come to a close. I understand that it, you know, I'm I'm the optimist looking from the outside, trying to make a case for how this isn't great, and but there you're you're right. Well, I, you're yeah. totally right. No one no one can be the protector. Everyone needs to be able to stand on their own. Um and uh, there's nothing there's nothing for Emma Stone's character in Jackson o- only to honestly just become the same thing that she's trying to fight and against. Though, she
1: Yeah, you're so right. And I'm, we're going to talk about this later, but my least favorite part of this movie is the story the, the romantic subplot with Emma Stone and the only reason that storyline is even there in the first place is to justify what you're saying, which is like, oh, there's no future for her there. But I think I just think we could have gotten there without without that, because they they just try to they go to such great lengths to show like, oh, she could turn into her mother. You know what I mean? She could be Allison Janney in 30 years.
0: I do understand. Luckily, there would be worse people to be than Alison Janney. There would be worse people. When Alice
1: and Alison Janney still makes that fatal mistake—that same fatal. Like I think that there's there's a lot of truth to the movie that there's not that big a difference between Alison and Janney and not Bryce Dallas Howard, but the other woman, the woman Viola Davis works for. Uh,
0: oh, I absolutely, I absolutely understand that. What a, what a fatal mistake getting cancer? No, not what a getting cancer. She made
1: fire, you motherfucker! Firing the the woman who raised her to to you know, keep up appearances. That's exactly what Viola Davis does or what Viola Davis's boss does. Just, they, they, they do, they just put all these plot in there just to, to justify that ending of her leaving. Like I agree with you. And I
0: think it's, you know, and that, I guess this is going to be me kind of uh, messing up my own point is that I think, I I think, I think there, there is all that building up to that one moment that Allison Janney does, uh, stand up, you know, kind of stand up, take a step there, you know, call her out on that shit. Which was really something special, and um, it was. you know, it's I, I guess I guess it's these small steps. The, I guess the film is really about these small personal steps that each person can take in order to, you know, better themselves or better their community in some way, and actually do something. Even if it's you know only proportional to who you are, you know, obviously Emma Stone takes a much bigger step than Alison Janney does, but it doesn't make it any more legitimate of a step.
1: I think this it's more about standing by your values, like. The thing that makes what and Janney did so fucked up is not that she fired her black maid for bullshit reasons. It's that she did it just to keep up appearances.
0: Absolutely.
1: That is the bullshit. It's like it's that she values the appearance of these bullshit racist, shallow white women versus someone she's known for 30 plus years who raised her children, who made her daughter into the woman she is probably more than Allison Janney did like
0: you know what I, I you're so right and i honestly didn't even think about that until just now no,
1: for sure this movie hit me really fucking hard bro like I, I as much as i did have problems with some of it i really like this movie uh what, what, like, I, I, I you
0: know how you and you know how you and i just have issues like in general the third acts of a lot of films there are a lot of films that we really like and then the third act falls apart yes this movie brings it home so true in the third act so
1: true the second act is the weakest of this movie by far totally agree totally agree I, and I also, but I, before we move on from this, I want to push back on one thing you said, which is you said that the biggest arcs are with Emma Stone and, and no one else really has an arc too, too much. I guess maybe Jessica just said the same, but I think Viola Davis does have a really subtle, beautiful arc here. Like, yes, she loses her job, but the fact that she doesn't go get another job when you know she could is. Mm -hmm. is powerful to me because she's done this her whole life this is someone who you know you see in this movie depicted like that maid, that young girl on her first trip like you could imagine Viola Davis having done this since she was 15 16 years old and for her to make that choice that you know what I'm done taking care of other people I'm done taking care of other people's kids like I I think that is a powerful choice and I I think that the the fact that that this movie doesn't end with Emma Stone going off to New York, happy, happy, the fact that it ends with Viola Davis and this horrible good goodbye between a parent and a mentor figure and a parental figure they're never going to see again is what makes this movie like last in my mind as as being a powerful piece of work like that that choice of that ending is what shows. Viola Davis's arc, and that is what kind of recenters the movie to be more about Viola Davis than about Emma Stone, which is how it should be. It should be more about Viola Davis, because it is about the help. It's not about the lady telling the story about the help. It's about the help themselves.
0: Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. And, um, I mean, I do, I do think it's worth mentioning that, uh, in the original source novel, which is a work of fiction yeah um and and that truly does leave such a weird taste in my mouth when i consider the film as a whole mm-hmm. um but w- i do agree that you know it, with that very loose implication that she then goes on to become a writer herself mm-hmm. and that there is it's 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 absolutely uh a strong statement of self to be able to say that I, I reject the life that has been laid out for me for so long.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think it's implied also, like they talk about her losing her son and all that, that through raising these other kids, like maybe she was trying to fill that, that hole of like losing her son. And maybe, maybe this is an indication that she's moving on from that as well. Like moving on from the loss of her son.
0: I, I agree. Well, it's simply just that, you know, the only time that, that, uh black people are portrayed in this film at all is as help. And so it's, it's, it's very much a white town mm-hmm. with, with, with African American, you know, staff. And so I think that there's, there's, uh, there's something to be said for being able to, to, to stop that and to say, I am no longer going to be this person. I'm no longer going to work for these people. I'm going to do something for myself. Yeah, and so you know, yeah, I I agree. I would say that that probably is the the biggest arc because truly, I don't think Emma Stone has that much of an arc. I think she, I think Emma Stone is one of the lucky few protagonists that just gets to stick to her guns for two hours and it works out.
1: Yeah, and she also like, just her her whole arc is like, oh, I want to go be a writer, and then it's like we'll just leave home, and she's like, oh, I I don't want to because I want to tell this story, and then she gets to tell the story, and then she gets to leave home. Like her goal, her she doesn't fundamentally change very much.
0: Like, No, and I mean like that's good for her. Good for her, honestly. If 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 I could just coast through life like that, not I'm not saying that she coasted. Like she's she's dealing with no, a lot of adversity hard. too. People yeah. don't like her because of who she is. But like honestly, if I could just do my thing and have it just work out, and all of a sudden I get to move and just like yeah. have money and success, like that's a cool thing. I mean, I'd be biggest, down for that. I'm not going to hate on her for it. Her
1: biggest it. issue is she's like, oh, I almost married a racist like oh oh no no yeah okay we got to talk about before we move on we got to talk about the parts of this movie like as a first-time viewer i personally did not like at all and i think we we really could have done without we got to talk about octavia uh spencer's (laughs) fucking domestic abuse storyline that gets like three scenes three like i would be okay with it if she just like had a black black eye every once in a while you know what i mean But basically there's that one scene like which I've seen this movie like it's sorry people we recorded this late like a week and a half ago now she just like is at home and she's like guarding the children or some shit scared for her life like you've seen this movie twice you know what I'm talking about there's this one vivid scene where her husband's like about to beat the shit out of her
0: yeah and then they don't touch on it again. Like, what? That's definitely a huge flaw within the film itself. It's, like, how... Uh, my only question is, like, how much time could they have devoted? No, you're what right, I,
1: but just don't put it in there, then. Like, I know, like, okay, there's some truth. Like, there was... I'm sure there was, you know, domestic abuse in the black and white communities in fucking the South in the 50s and 60s. But there's just so much else going on in this script. There's so many other things. Did we have to, like... Why did, why did that need to be a story? I'm sure that's from the book but i just feel like that's something we could have lost because i it's my biggest pet peeve is when movies just like as you know with kingsman even just use domestic violence as like a fun backdrop and don't deal with it it just bothers me i just don't like it i find it irresponsible
0: no i completely agree with you i i think um i definitely think that would be something that would have would have come from the book i haven't read it myself but there i do know structurally like it actually does give three true protagonist roles, one each to um uh one to Skeeta, Abilene and uh and Minnie. They all get their own like full uh uh narrative perspectives within the, yes. the work.
1: Let's talk about so that in, I would, let's talk about that in one sec. I do want to talk about the narrative perspectives because that's a super interesting part of the film to me. But I quickly do want to talk about the the Chris Lowell storyline, the guy who plays Stuart Whitworth, her stupid love interest. <laughs> uh, I I hated this storyline, and I thought it it, th- it didn't feel true to me. The rest of the movie felt very true. I felt like in real life, if she went out on a date with the, he was first, he was such an asshole to her the first time. Then he's like all Mister Charming. I just didn't buy that she would just be like, "Oh, cool, you're an awesome guy." Like at no point in their life does the conversation come up like, "Oh, are you racist?" Do you think black people should have rights? Like this is the number one most important thing to her. And then it's until her book comes out and he's like, oh, you've betrayed us. Goodbye. Like that's terrible writing. Like I just, that was not a believable storyline for anything about her character. Like it was just there to have a romantic storyline.
0: The one thing I will give her for that is that it's it's almost the last
1: vestiges of Jackson. Yeah, sure. Kind of
0: closing in on her where it's that there, there's still that one little voice in the back of her head that is like, you need to get, get married, married and yeah. you need to be having children. You need to be doing all these things and you'll never be a full and successful woman until you are, which, by the way, is bullshit. Let's just I just like what I, 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 I'm i not even for a moment going to even entertain right, any Mitchell. of those
1: ideas. You're right, Mitchell. But that that was all already present there and having him be a physicalization of that to me just felt heavy-handed in a movie that to me had a very light touch most of the time
0: oh absolutely i completely agree with your opinion on the usage of it it's 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 i guess it's supposed to stand for the fact that he's willing to go out with her again after you know she was quote unquote mouthy to him
1: mouthy you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean like yeah you know there's there's I think there's she still felt that societal pressure even though she was succeeding at all the things she wanted to be doing it was still underhanded you know if that if nothing came of that book she would probably have had to marry him True
1: Good point. Good point. And, good and
0: point. it's, you know, it's, it's
1: not good. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's ever present. And then she would have become Alice and Janney and hated everything. Oh, you're so right. That's, that's a good point. It, it, it didn't bother me enough to make me dislike this movie. The last thing I want to say before we go talk about the structure is the Bryce Dallas Cow- Howard character has absolutely no arc, which I love when a villain just stays the same. Like, they're an asshole to begin with, and they're an asshole at the end. And, like, I, I really like that the, the ending after Viola Davis... Uh, hugs the girl and walks by Bryce Dallas Howard when she's just like you know standing there weeping. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I like that. I I love
0: the moment where she says, You're a godless woman. Yes, oh,
1: that's great. Is an
0: absolutely that is that is a true if you want to talk about a tour de force moment, if you want to talk about bringing down the motherfucking house, Mm -hmm. that is Viola Davis in that close up where she just you see every bit of fire in her. Like, I, I. And, and she just lays down the law. And it's, you know, I, I don't think, I don't, I, Bryce Dallas Howard, of course, doesn't have any arc, but she does have comeuppance. Yes. Which and, I that, like. and
1: that moment, too, is, I, Viola Davis is great, but Bryce Dallas Howard's the look on her face where she just knows it's true. Like, oh my God, I am a godless woman and I can have as much fun as I want in this world, but this is a Christian person. And the, the implication of that is good luck burning in hell for eternity. And like, you just, she, you know, she's not going to change, but you see it sinking in like, oh, fuck. she's right like she's not gonna feel that way forever she'll be able to compartmentalize it but for that one moment she gets her comeuppance and it's so nice it's so nice. I absolutely agree. It's it's glorious. So it really let's, is. Let's go talk about the structure, Mitchell, because what you talked about to me is one of the toughest things to pull off. Like, TV shows do this all the time. Like, lots of different pers- characters get narrative power. They get to control the story. Like, But in this movie, movies usually one, maybe two people have narrative power in general. I mean, the Avengers, stuff like that, pull it off. But this movie gives narrative power to like five or six characters where you could just have a scene with Bryce Dallas Howard and the younger you know, African-American, uh, made like that. And, and it pulls it off so well. Like if this is a movie about Emma Stone and Viola Davis, but we get, we give narrative power to everybody. Like what, how do you feel about that choice?
0: Well, what I love is that, yes, the plot of the film centers around, you know, two or three characters. It ends up involving a whole ensemble. It, it's, it, it's, 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 it's outward. It's a surprisingly deft touch. Um, it's not something I expect, especially from a movie that, uh, you know, a lot of people could have written off as an Oscar grab, um, which I disagree with. I totally disagree with. I think it's an excellent film. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been pushing you to watch it for so long. But I, I do believe that it, it, it's very, very difficult to incorporate a full cast of characters into a story that is driven by only a few of them. The rest of them... Happen to exist and happen to to play off each other and give them strength. Yeah. It's 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 a weird like. But
1: even though they don't drive the story, they they end up getting like important narrative power. Like the Bryce Dallas Howard character is probably like, the, or Jessica Chastain. She's like the fifth most important character to the story, but she gets a whole arc about herself where there's scenes where it's just her, or just her and octavia spencer like and viola davis and emma stone the two protagonists of the film are just off somewhere else like this is a thing tv shows do but movies rarely do it it, if you pull it off if you make the characters well formed enough it works like this just shows that ensemble movies can still work
0: you're absolutely right and it's you know i i I love bringing up like uh, another movie like a one that you know i love very much like Matchpoint, in the sense that like yeah the story that story is about three people but again uses such a great cast of characters or even like crimes and misdemeanors do the right
1: thing like do the right things about a, it's a really about like a few people but it's about so many you get to know this entire neighborhood and this this movie like i felt like i got to know this entire town in a certain way or at least representatives of this entire town
0: it's you know it's really great to see something that is truly a community mm-hmm. because that's that's just exciting to see it just gives you people it gives you it gives you different colors of experience it just gives you an opportunity to really make memorable stuff because i th- i think one of the i think most of the more memorable moments in the in the film honestly are from Jessica Chastain's character yes, in her arc is so detached literally physically ge- like the geometry of her living half an hour outside of town Um, her being separated socially because they think she's a man-stealer. All of that boils into her having a completely separate... And honestly, just an independent storyline in that she wants to be better for herself. You know, well, she she completely abandons the idea of winning these I'm other push, people's I'm friendship push back and trust on that
1: because what I, I think is interesting is pushback. It starts off. It's I, what I like about Jessica Chastain is she, she, her character is she's a new outsider. So we've got we've got basically the all these black women are positioned as outsiders. Obviously, even though they're they important structural function in the town. Emma Stone is positioned as kind of she's like in. The, it, in, she's the viewer. She's straddled in this middle position. She's kind of in the club because she's a white lady who's from there and like but she also... Well, she's
0: Nick Carraway. Yeah, she's Nick Carraway, exactly.
1: She's, she's the view into the story. She, she sees what's wrong with it, but she's not outwardly calling it out. Like, there's a few cringy scenes where they say some racist shit and she just sits there and takes it and doesn't say a word. Uh... And, you know, you can feel that, and you're like, maybe she's not that great a person after all, if she's not willing to stand up for it in person. And then you get Jessica Stane, and that's where this movie goes from good to great. Because you get this other white lady, this outsider, who they, they despise just as much, if not more than the black people. Like, they, they're like, you're one of our own, and you, we look down on you even worse. Because and and I would
0: agree with that. I definitely would agree that they, they, I I definitely think they think of her. So,
1: yeah, but let me let me finish here is that I feel like this movie is about, like, what you said. There's this world, there's this society, this mini society of Jackson, and it's about all these different outsiders trying to float and function and interact with inside the society. And really, all these people want to do, I mean, I guess it's besides Emma Stone who wants to expose what's going on, like. Viola Davis just wants to get paid and, like, get her job done. Same with Octavia Spencer, just doesn't want to take abuse. Jessica Ch- Chastain just wants to have some friends. Like, she's just fucking lonely. And they, they, the fact that they just reject her just because, you know, she kind of dresses a little funny and maybe stole this lady's guy who she didn't even end up with anyway, just shows how toxic this entire system is to outsiders and how hierarchical it is based on, you know, how embedded in the town you are. Like, oh, this person's the mayor, this person... It's just, like, it. it, it gets to that capitalistic, you know, pseudo-democratic idea that, like, the people in power are the more important, the people who make the money are the more important. And it's just not true, like, the, or or better. And the better people in this movie are the people who are on the lowest end of the totem pole. Emma Stone, who becomes a pariah. Jessica Chastain, who no one wants to talk to. Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, like, these are the people who I'd want to hang out with. And they're the people who <laughs> don't fit into this society. And I think that this, this movie really is about outsiders and insiders. And, like, what it's like to be an outsider.
0: Uh, I, I don't think I've ever really thought of that. And I think that's, that's such a good point that you makes it immediately. I, I, of course I agree with it. Um, it's, it, it, it's one of those situations where you, you have to hold up, you have to hold up a lens to society because the outsiders, the ones who can actually see the cogs moving are saying, this is not working. Yeah, correctly. this is
1: fucked up. They're like calling it out and everyone's like, nah, we're good. The ship's moving fine.
0: Well, that's why the, I love the beginning of the movie where 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 um, you know Emma Stone's character just keeps being like, why does nobody talk about this? And they were like, because there's nothing to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, everyone's just like, why would you talk this is about how it that? Is. Like, why does that matter? And she's just like, but no one ever has. Yeah, it's just that she she's the first people she's the first person to kind of like really view. Or just understand that, you know, everyone has stories. It's, and that's, I guess that's the whole point of the film is
1: that everyone has something to say. And it's almost like her entire role is to, like, have this Brechtian effect on the town to make them look at themselves as if they're, they're another. Like, the entire idea of the help, like, the book, you know, it's the woman's trying to convince everyone it's not Jackson. It's like, you have to sometimes you have to have an outsider look at you to really look at yourself and that's really what the emma stone character allows for this town to do and that's what i guess this movie like you could say this is kind of a white apologist film but i think this movie is asking us to look at our behavior now and see how do white people still treat black people how is this subservient relationship like manifests itself nowadays and i i I think this movie is very present i'm glad you told me to watch it i mean especially in the age of trump this is you know the demonization of the other is just commonplace these days, and this movie does an amazing job sh- showing how the, how that becomes normalized. like no one in this society thinks it 's weird and, and that 's fucked up that 's just ugh it's just the, the fact you 're so right. If the world had changed a lot since then, this movie probably wouldn 't have needed to be made, but it just hasn 't like there 's so many truths that remain today. I think we got it We're we 're taking a lot of time here, Mitchell, but do you want to move on to the acting? You want to talk about some acting?
0: I mean we've talked about a lot of it already but I think in the in in favor of time let's talk about our favorite
1: acting in this film and
0: I already know which one you're going to say because it's the same as mine. Yeah, can
1: I can I go can I go first or you want to go first and then I'll Yes, I'll, no no no,
0: up. I want you I want you to go first right. I want you to go first I'm with sorry. all of this. This, I wanna, this is uh, uh,
1: this is an apology from the heart. Jessica Chastain, girl. My bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, girl. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You're a fucking good actress. Like you're honestly, you're a great actress, and I've seen you do some bad performances. Like Crimson Peak, ah, eh, didn't do it for me. Like even you know some of your other better known movies. I don't want to get into right now that Mitch and I have discussed. But <laughs> I thought you were, She was so present, so giddy, so over. The, so she had such a lack of personal awareness like she she, her her ability to get in these women's spaces and who like clearly wanted nothing to do with her and act like she didn't notice it like it was just so powerful and when she goes and sits down at the table and like won't take no for an answer just the way she played this role as like a giddy happy person as a counterpoint to all of this puss face that all the other white women in this movie like that's just like their look is just oh i'm upset about something like life is terrible i'm Mm -hmm. just so privileged that Mm -hmm. it's so hard for me she just is happy Mm -hmm. and it's like my life's good and you know i got this nice house i got this guy i love Like, the only white person, white dude in the movie who comes off well is the guy who's Jessica Chastain's husband. Because it's like, good job not marrying Bryce Dallas Howard and marrying Jessica Chastain. Like, you crushed it. You gotta...
0: Oh yeah, no, he's the best. And then I, I mean, I also just love that moment where he, it's it, it's it's small but it's beautiful, and and he just opens up the he pulls out the chair for her at the dining table when they when they, there's that really beautiful ending scene they they all eat dinner well, together. A, the, you're
1: forgetting the best part is when he sees she sees him and she just starts running like oh, thinking she's going to get raped or like murdered or something, and he's just like, hey. I know you've been here like you think you think I didn't notice the first night when you, you gave me like fried chicken like, like collard greens the first night that's the line and I oh, love yeah, that it. is a great line yeah, I love that part that, that's, yeah you're right he's just such like he's just like a regular dude like it's like oh they exist too it's it's oh, I love I love that stuff yeah so Jessica Tustin my girl I was wrong there's a reason you get every single fucking role you know you, you deserve it I want you you're to great. think about
0: something really quick Mo I want you to think about this for one second yeah the Help and Take Shelter were released in the same year.
1: wasn't like that? That other Terrence Malick movie you loved released around that time also. Uh, the Tree of Life was released, I believe. Oh my God, was that also two thousand that one? Year. I th- that's insane. Because I love her and Take Shelter also. I think that movie's great. Yeah, they're just oh my.
0: Uh, see, that's the thing. It's just Jessica Chastain. I, I guess maybe her issue. is She's gotten too famous for her own good, and now she's getting pulled into all these really big budget not awesome films mm-hmm. um and she's losing chance you know she's missing out on chances to do amazing shit like the help and take shelter T- take shelter everyone please please watch that film it's
1: great well it, we'll do that you on deserve, podcast, you deserve to see Jessica it. Chastain we'll talk about more later I, we gotta talk about Viola Davis because she is the, the treat Davis. in this movie she she Viola Davis who cries better than Viola Davis like nobody nobody can cry she can cry in any way she can. She can just tell you a
0: perfect story with her eyes. She has the most expressive eyes I have ever seen, and she understands. There's something about her where she just truly understands the power that her silences have, and she's a classically trained actor. She's, um, she's, she's. You know, she's gone to reputable schools. Um, if I remember correctly, I believe she went to Juilliard, but I'm never positive. Um, whatever. I'm just going to double check on that real quick.
1: I don't care whether she went to Juilliard or wherever the fuck, but she's fucking great. Like, let's just, she, she embodies this character. She, she sells some shit that like I would hate in most movies. Like the stuff about her son is to me a little bit cliche and a little bit dancing around it, but she sells it so hard that I don't even question it. Like she has some unbelievable moments in this film. Like, I mean, and we need to talk about the ending. We need to talk about the, I mean, the repeated line I I can't fuck it up because it's just like one of the best lines. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. This is what every fucking kid needs to hear from everybody. And the way she says it to her at the end and makes her repeat it back to her and like tries to leave a little bit of herself to keep with this child is just so powerful. She just sells it and it's just like, it could be cliche. Like that line, you is, like it, it is on the nose. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. But she just delivers it because it's like, the rest of this movie there's there's no compassion there's no love it's all fighting for what you have and and shitting on other people
0: and you know what I can take a moment to uh to 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 just uh take a pot shot at one of my least favorite films because it 's another film that is an incredibly on the nose overused line. But it is handled so much worse. Oh, are you mean, about to talk it, about the fucking, has, I'm the
1: about Benedict to talk bench, about the imitation game. I knew it. I'm about to I knew talk it. About the This is the opposite. Game. This is the opposite handling of the same like, written feeling. That's line. how
0: you handle it poorly. And if you've seen the film, you know, you understand. <laughs> and the line goes. The line goes exactly like this. You know, it's the things that it's the people that no one imagines anything of that do the things nobody can imagine. Yeah, they and say you have it to hear times. that line. Th- you have to hear it every fucking time. And and, of course, at the last moment of the movie, it is said by somebody that who had heard it earlier and is now repeating it back to the person that told them, you know, to make them feel better about being chemically castrated. <laughs> I don't know if that, you remember we don't need that to get into, little people tidbit. People like the
1: invitation game. We're losing people. They're wrong. People, they're wrong. If, <laughs> I, I liked it in my first watch, and then I slowly thought about it, and I was like, yeah, that movie was manipulative as fuck, but... Uh, but yes, then, we, then now we can talk about a powerhouse
0: actor, an, a, an actor who could take something that could have turned this movie into utter it trash. Made, it really makes and, or and breaks it, the
1: movie. Like it I, elevated it, it.
0: It really did. It's, 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 it's one of the first things we hear in the film. It's the, it's one of the last things we hear in the film and it's the simplest. It's, it's when you, you break down every, you, you have to break down every single bit of just, you know, all the, all the differences, all the economic, all the political, every single issue that is in the film disappears because it is just one person telling another person they matter which if, if, if these other characters had maybe given that one shot, none of these problems would have happened.
1: Yeah. And that's what every kid and every person needs, wants to hear and should hear you're, you're kind, you're smart, you're important. Like this is, this is, if everyone was kind, if everyone thought they were kind, if everyone believed they were smart, if everyone believed they were important, the world would be a lot less insecure, fucked up place. Like people, this is, this is the, the best parenting in the entire movie. And it doesn't come from this girl's parent and it never will. And that's, that, that's just such a powerful one to leave on. We're getting back into the script because the script is amazing. Good, great job by Tate Taylor. You should start writing the rest of your movies because he did not write Girl on a Train and that movie is garbage. You can't, you can't direct your way to a great movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, let's, let's finish up with a few of the other shit. Emma Stone, good performance. Not her best, I would say. Pretty good. What do you th- you know, the
0: thing about the thing about Emma Stone's performance at that time yeah. spe- uh, specifically at that time was that it was it, you know, this was still early in her career this was 2011 this was so they were shooting this in 2010 this was just when she was getting up in the forefront and really honing her craft mm-hmm. and i like i gotta hand it to her when i saw it at the time like you know it was me and my 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 high school girlfriend we went and saw it on a whim and 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 i remember being riveted i remember sitting there in my seat i was i was crying by the end of it and that's not something i i often do and it i was, was trying to you know, there's. I guess there's something about, um, you know, having somebody who's so accessible. I feel like Emma Stone's a very accessible actor, <laughs> and it really does give you give you something to to, to latch on. She's got to. those matching big She's, eyes with Viola Davis. True, 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 true. They could have an eye size competition, just who who can express more, and Viola Davis would win. Yep, she'd win, like in you know, a landslide. Time, every time, but at least Emma Stone would put up a fight. Mm-hmm. So I mean I, I I I don't know if I mean we can always talk about Octavia Spencer. This is uh, this is actually the second film I had seen Octavia Spencer in. Um, I <laughs> the first time I ever saw her was actually in a film that you don't like very much, Dinner for
1: Schmucks. Yeah, I don't like that movie. I just it's not for me. I just don't think it's funny. Like I need to rewatch it. I saw it in the theater when it came out. I was pretty young, but I I love her. I love her in this movie, Snowpiercer. She's fucking great in Snowpiercer. You know, I need to
0: see Snowpiercer. It's one that, that, that I have not put on the list. Yeah. But um, she's a great actress. She's, I mean, I've just, seen her
1: in a few other things doing character shit, and she's always good. She brings it.
0: Yeah, I mean, just truly an all around, what a good ensemble piece. You know, you get one of the best, you get some of the best character actors in the business. You know, Bryce Dallas Howard kills that sort of stuff. Allison Janney. Um, and Allison, Allison Janney
1: kills it. You know, at- shout out to David Ayelwo playing the preacher in like two scenes. Great, great David Ayelwo performance i like him he's It's like why is martin luther no, king does jr a job. why is martin luther king jr playing the preacher in this movie oh because he's so good he's at that it. Good. he's so fucking he's good at good. it yep uh all right i think we should quickly touch on some of the technical shit i don't have much to say about it like this movie was as we like to say with good movies all the departments working together the production design i mean we felt like we were in the south it was beautiful i thought it was pretty well edited very unshowy editing i don't know do you have anything to say about the technical stuff
0: you know, it was very much – this is this is a script-based film. This is not a film that you can really take – you can't take a true, uh, you know, artistic bent to it. You can just hope to just truthfully recreate the environment so that we can have, like, kind of a seamless transition. And that was what was there. Yeah, the you know? costumes and the were is, amazing.
1: The costumes were A+. Yes.
0: Everything looked beautiful. Everyone looked beautiful. There just really was – you know, there was a feeling like everyone who was working there were professionals. Just everyone every, everyone was working towards the exact same goal and to the best of their ability,
1: too. Agreed. And this movie's a long movie, two hours and 26 minutes, but it doesn't feel long, which is a testament to what you're saying. It, it really brings you in. Let's let's rate this puppy, Mitch. What, what would you give this out of 10? I'll let you go first because I, I think I know, but I want to hear what you'll, you're going to say. I mean like
0: so it's actually interesting. I guess I liked it less on my second watch not on its own merits but just because I've grown and learned and just become more of a a whole human being. Um <laughs> yeah. I would just it, you know there're just certain things that I forgive less now as a filmmaker and just as a as a a, a person who lives in 2017 and has access to CNN. Yeah. Um but I would I would I would give it a very very solid eight point two five out of ten. All right, I was there you go. I'm I'm still very much in love with the performances, I'm in love with the script. I'm just in love with I'm in love with the the optimism of it. I, I, truly, I feel
1: that my my initial gut was eight, but I'm going to give it an eight point five because really yes for the for this so we can settle somewhere between we'll just give it between eight point two five to eight point five when we eventually track what we gave every single movie. But the reason I say that is because. I have problems with it, like I told you the bad emma stone's boyfriend subplot and the fact that they just there 's domestic abuse that really doesn 't get dealt with but the emotional impact of this movie, like most movies I watch fade away after a week or two, but this movie 's like the ending especially it 's just hung with me, and I think that 's why it got so many so much Oscar buzz and this movie really stuck with people is that that emotional thing of the, the ending in this place of this you know you think the movie 's about Emma Stone and about Viola Davis in in this relationship in the end it's really about parents and children and that that Mm. moment of this even though it's not her real daughter this goodbye this I love you and I hope I left you with something and I'm never going to see you again but I hope you grow up into a good person like that moment I'm not a good person with goodbyes but just ending there just I can forgive so much of the bullshit in the movie for just making me feel what I felt and still feel just thinking about that moment. So I I give it an 8.5 for just for the pure emotional impact pure as a film. It's probably more like an eight, 7.5. Like it's very good, has some problems, but it's, it it really just that emotional impact just left me. So I'm going to go 8.5. It's not my favorite movie I've ever seen, but I really, really liked it. I'm glad. Will you watch it again? Is the question. I will watch it again. Not for a while, like in five to 10 years, let's say. I will watch it again. Yeah, that movie takes it, it, that movie hits hard. It hit that me movie hard. hits hard. It I did. probably
0: haven't seen it since like 2011,
1: 2012. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a really fun podcast, Mitchell. I've enjoyed talking to you. The help, good recommendation. We haven't even talked about what we're doing next week, so we're going to leave it a mystery for the viewer, I guess.
0: Oh, it's a little fun mystery. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a new release. Maybe that's we'll a good do something idea. That, we that that both has got, just come out, we
1: both got movie passes this week. So, by the way, shout out to movie pass. This is the dumbest shit we've ever heard. Please go get a movie pass. <laughs> go get a fucking movie $9 pass. Nine dollars a month, you get one movie a day every day, day. for free. I, like, if you want
0: to do the math really quick, you see a movie once the card is paid. Yeah, for itself. you're
1: gonna you're gonna make money on it. These people are dumb. Like, it's the dumbest business model I've ever seen. I don't understand. Whoever invested in it, sorry, I'm taking your. Money like that's for me
0: yeah, yeah there's gonna be a small subset of people who are going to use it in, every in three single years day it's gonna to not in work
1: then. because of you and me mitchell but it's okay it's worth it we got to use it well no, here. it's gonna
0: be wonderful i'm so excited well, i think i'm gonna go down to the uh the ifc center today nice, just bro. for fun
1: a, I, you know. they're still
0: showing stalker which oh, is interesting
1: dope. i would see stalker again i love stalker <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's just a great film right. great film to experience mitchell, on the big screen this has been fun i love you bro a- Good to talk. Absolutely, Mo. Love you too,
0: man. Love you, our wonderful listener. And uh, we hope you tune in next week. And uh, Real talk. boom, 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 boom,